0: People of prayer will be in Jonah, Jonah chapter 2, 1 through 10. Jonah is a very short book. You could read it this afternoon. It's only four chapters. And in my Bible, it's one single page. All right. In my grandmother's house, there was a picture and it was this picture and it was sitting next to her table, and next to that picture was also a picture of a woman in a very similar stance, bent over the table with her fingers clenched, with her head down, her eyes closed, praying. And these two paintings are called Grace and Gratitude, grace and gratitude, two of the heartbeats of prayer. And my grandmother had them there on her wall to remind her that she was supposed to be a person of prayer. And we want to remind ourselves in this summer, in this series, that we are called to be people of prayer my hope for you in that your li- in your lifetime if somebody was gonna paint a picture of you maybe that would be that picture. And so because of that, we are investing eight weeks into stories in the Bible uh, of prayer. People just like you and just like me who come across extraordinary circumstances, who come across very difficult hardships, who come across incredible mountaintops. And so we're going to study and learn from them what we can learn about prayer for us. We're going to look at people like Moses and Elijah, Hannah and Mary, Moses and even Jesus himself. And so the question is, what can we learn? What can we hear? What can we glean from these people of prayer? And I know we've been praying a lot this morning, but I want to pray one more time because we want to be people of prayer. So we'll just close your eyes, pray with me one second. Heavenly Father, we commit this summer of prayer to you. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonah chapter 2, 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, and the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. How many of you have heard this story of Jonah? Raise your hand, come on okay how many you we 've all most of us have heard this story if you haven 't been around church at all uh, here 's how the story goes it 's four chapters long. You can read it this afternoon there 's this guy named Jonah. God tells him to go to nineveh he says i 'm going to go the opposite direction, gets on a boat boat starts getting rocked around by a a, a terrible storm and everybody's blaming everybody whose fault is it why is this happening to us and jonah says my fault guys throw me off the ship off the ship he goes he's drowning whale eats him or big fish eats him okay and then vomits him up onto land where he goes begrudgingly to nineveh because he knows that god's going to be gracious to those horrible people okay that's the story in a nutshell So you've probably seen the pictures of the whale. Maybe you've even thought, was there really a big fish that ate Jonah? Right? If I got, if I got to believe in all this, do I have to believe in this Jonah guy and this big fish eating him? And and what I want to say to you this morning is this, this is a beautiful story. A beautiful story and many theologians would say this is one of the Bible's first parables. Something that Jesus would have told. In fact, Jesus himself quotes about Jonah later in his ministry. And parables are stories that we want to learn from. We don't want to sit and discuss and debate and talk about how big was the fish and how does that happen. And, you know, we don't need to debate that. What we need to do is look at the beauty of this story and say, what can I learn? What can I learn? So... Here's what we can learn, first and foremost. The moment we admit that we're drowning is the moment that God can save us. The moment that we admit that we're drowning, that is the moment that God then can save us. Have you ever been in a moment where you thought you were drowning? Right? Have you been there? I can't handle this relationship anymore. I can't handle this circumstance anymore. I don't know if we're going to make it through this next financial crisis. I feel like I'm underwater. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. And we need to admit that we're drowning. We need to look around, and we need to say, I'm drowning, and there's nothing that I can do to save myself. So I was—I went to, went to college at Whittier College in Los Angeles to play some basketball and try to throw my life away. Um, I did both of those pretty well. Um, and then Jesus saved me. And uh, during my time at Whittier, one Saturday, we decided to go down to Laguna Beach and do some swimming and And so, being the Colorado boy that I was, and knowing lots about the ocean, um, I said, "You know what?" I, 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 those waves look awesome. I'm going to grab a boogie board, and I'm going to ride those things. Well, you know, they were, they were reasonably big for a Colorado boy. And, and yet I, I paddled out, and I thought, I'm good. I got this. I paddled out into the waves, and I'm, I'm watching these other guys do it. I'm thinking, that doesn't look so hard. I think I can do this. All you got to do is paddle and get on the wave, and phew, it looks really cool. And, and you know, I'm going to be that guy. Well, I get out there, and I realize very, very quickly... I'm about to be in over my head, right? is about to not go well for me because these waves are crashing and they're huge. And so I get on the front of one of these waves and it kind of picks me up. And I'll never forget, I I got back on the top of the wave because I didn't actually know how to ride a wave. And I remember sitting up on top of the wave for this moment looking down and there was about a, I don't know, five foot drop in front of me thinking, this is, this is bad. This is really, whatever's about to happen is not good for me, Right. (laughs) And I remember just crashing into the water and then, you know, yard sale, boards gone, and I'm, I'm underwater and I'm getting twirled around underwater. you been there? Have you ever been twirled around by a big old wave? And it is, it was terrifying. And I didn't know which way it was up. It felt like somebody had stuck me in a washing machine and turned it on and I couldn't breathe and I was freaking out and my head came up and then I went under again and my head came up and I went over again and, and suddenly, uh, I felt this arm come and grab me, right? And I looked up and I was thinking, awesome, because saved by I've I've seen Baywatch, this beautiful, you know, red swimsuit. But it was Bruce, okay. (laughs) And he didn't look anything like David Hasselhoff, even right. And Bruce, he reaches in and he he grabs me, and as he's pulling me out, he goes, "Are you okay?" And I'm obviously no, I'm not okay, man. You're saving me, right? I don't, I don't remember actually if his name was Bruce, but Bruce saved me. Whoever that guy was, he saved me because I was drowning. So when he asked this question, he said, hey, do you need help? Yes, I need help. Are you okay? Are you fine this morning? Did you already say it on the way to church? How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. Are you fine? are you fine are you okay see i think we like to lie to ourselves and we like to lie to others when it comes to this question how are you really doing i can tell you right now based upon our prayer request list (laughs) that we're not all fine in this room this morning and that the reality is that some of us are drowning and if you aren't drowning in this moment there will be a moment where you will be drowning And in that moment, the question is, will you cry out to be saved? See, if we don't admit that we're drowning, then God can't save us. And so the reason that Jonah was in the whale's belly, see, because Jonah found himself in this moment that we all find ourselves in, which is the moment when the waves curl around us and it seems like life swallows us And the reason that Jonah was in the whale's belly, and maybe why you will be there too at some point, is because missed the mark, which I know is bad grammar. Okay, Missed the mark. What I could have said is he missed the mark, because that's accurate. So so a little more about this story. God comes to Jonah and says, Jonah, I want you to go to this town, this horrible town, where there's a lot of sinners, and I want you to speak about my love and my grace, and that they need to turn from their ways... And they need to turn to me. And Jonah says, no, I don't think so, God. And he goes the complete opposite direction. Right? It's a trajectory decision on his part. Right? God says, go this way. And he says, no, I'm going to go that way. And the reality is, because of that, he ends up in the belly of the whale. And so have many of us. God has said, do this. And we said, no, no, God, I know better. I'll do that. And then we've ended up in the belly of the whale. And we go, how did I get here? Oh, yeah, it was a trajectory decision, right? I, he said, Nineveh, I picked Tarshish. I went the exact opposite direction that I should be going. And in this case, Jonah missed the mark. But for some of us, isn't it that somebody else missed the mark? Right? I mean, the reality is for many of us that somebody else missed the mark. Somebody else mistreated us. Somebody else hurt us. And because of that, we feel like we're in the belly of the whale. Or maybe it was just some circumstance beyond anybody's control. Something that just didn't go right. Life missed the mark. See, this, life, this life's all about missing the mark. I got this, I got this bow and arrow so I'm not a great hunter. And so I thought, I'll just get a bow because that's even easier. <laughs> um, no, um, for those of you who like animals, I like animals too. Um, and they're really safe when I'm in the forest. So um, it's all good, okay? Um, but I got this bow and, and, and I got it restrung. And one of the things when, when we talk about uh, shooting a bow and arrow is hitting the mark. Versus missing the mark. So if you go down, there's Big Sky Archery down in four corners. And if you sight in your bow, you're standing there and you've got some targets out in front of you. And you're trying to make sure that you hit the target correctly, right? But here's the reality. Often life misses the mark. Often the trajectory of life is that we miss the mark. Either we made that decision, somebody else made that decision. There's a circumstance in our life that just doesn't seem to hit the bullseye. It misses the mark. And the, the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. It's crazy. The Bible just it, just it knows about this. It says all. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Creation itself groans for redemption. Even the world is broke. Right? And so we are part of a world just like Noah that has missed the mark. It's the wrong trajectory, and so we need a better trajectory. We need a better trajectory. And this is what leads us to prayer. Because we miss the mark, because others miss the mark, because the life in general misses the mark, we need somebody who never misses the mark. And do you know who that is? It's Jesus, right? It's Jesus. See, Jesus never misses the mark. God's plan is perfect. It's always on target. He never has made a mistake. He always hits the bullseye. He doesn't need to sight in his bow and arrow. He's always going to hit the target. And so we need to turn to him. And that's what prayer is all about. We need a better trajectory. So I want to talk about the arc of Jonah's prayer. See what I'm doing there? The arc. Okay. So when you shoot a bow, anyway. Okay. You'll get it later. All right. The Ark of Jonah's prayer. A. We need to admit. We need to admit. Jonah begins by saying this. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. I'll go further. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. See, Jonah looks around and says, I'm in the belly of a whale and this is not a good day. Right? He admits, I am far from being in control. When you get caught in a storm, thrown out in in, in the sea, and a giant fish eats you, you realize you're not in control anymore. Right? And so the first thought here is that we need to admit where we are. Uh, If you've ever been to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, they have a 12-step program, and the first step is this. You need to admit that you are powerless. And in some ways, when we gather each and every Sunday here, we're like a big AA meeting, okay? Just just a little. I'm letting you in on a secret here. Like we're all coming here because we're a little broke and we need to, like, we need something bigger and better in our lives. And we we got to admit to each other, I'm not fine. Even if I walk in the door and say I'm fine, the reality is I'm not fine every day, and neither are you, right? And so we come here to support each other, but we also come here to worship a God who never misses the mark. And so we need to admit that we are powerless. See, the Bible is filled with statements like this. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Honesty is of the highest priority in prayer. Jonah looks around and he says, I am distressed. The waters have swallowed me up i feel like i'm dead some uh so, some commentators believe that uh actually jonah died and that was the, actually the only way that he could like survive in the belly of uh, of great fish which is it kind of makes sense right i don't know we can't really debate it we don't have any insight on that but he, he, he may have actually died and then kind of rev- been revived as he got spit up on the shore i don't know how that works but anyway never been inside a fish um but he, he, he takes an honest look at what's going on, and he says, I am distressed. I am broken. Life is bigger than me. Life has swallowed me up. He admits, I'm not in charge. And, and I think this is a big deal for us. I think this is a huge deal for us. I think we get more narcissistic in our society every single day. I do. I'm convinced of this. I I talk to people about God and they laugh at me and think that's a nice pat idea and they can't believe I'm that naive to think that there would be God because they got it. They're in control. They're in charge. They just need to be the best me that they can be, right? That's what they've embraced. This idea that if I can just be the best me that I can be, that somehow this is going to be good enough. Can we just be honest about that? That is terrible, right? You being the best you that you can be, like, uh, maybe that's good on Wednesdays. I don't know, right? But Thursdays, I I don't know. You got some problems. I don't know about you, but I got some problems on Thursday. And Friday, maybe I have a good day, but Saturday, I got some problems, right? I mean, even being the best me that I can be is not enough. I miss the mark. And And I need to admit this. And we, we need to be honest that this is where we start as Christians. Like, I feel so much pressure up against this idea. So much pressure in our world as we, as we worship creation rather than the creator. Read Romans 1, okay? As we say, human beings can fix this. No, they can't. No, they can't. We've never done it. We never will. That's not how the story goes. We keep thinking, oh, if we just get smarter, oh, really? If we get smarter, we just get bigger bombs. That's what we do, Right? We, we, we just get smarter and, and, and we get a hold of other ways to kill people or hurt people. This, this is the story of humanity. There's not a ton of hope in humanity, okay? And I'm sorry if you walked in here thinking, oh, I'm, I'm, if we just all got this right, then it would be better. It's not going to be better, people, okay? We are broken, we missed the mark, and we need to admit that. We need to admit humbly, humbly, God, I am not in charge, but you You are. You made the wind. You made the waves. You even made that big fish that came up and swallowed me up. Right? So we need to admit. Number two, we need to remember. We need to remember. goes on to say this, When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. He's actually quoting out of Psalm 18 here. Uh, This entire, um, side note, this entire uh, prayer is all taken from the book of Psalms. Different places in the book of Psalms. It's a whole other part of the sermon, and I don't have time for it, but it's amazing. Prayer book of the Bible, Psalms. So when my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to your holy temple. And remembering is all about getting perspective in prayer. It's all about getting perspective in prayer. Because I bet you could step away and and look at life and you could say, man, somehow God brought me through that season of life. Somehow I'm here, alive, breathing right now. Somehow I can look back and I can see that God has been faithful even if things haven't gone exactly how I thought they should go, I can remember that God has been faithful. See, usually in the middle of a situation, a bad situation especially, I don't see the hand of God, but afterwards, anybody been here? You go, oh, there he was the whole time, right? I mean, we were infertile for, we were, we, we were infertile for, but well, we still are. Um, so... Uh, We just got really close. All right, okay. There we go. So we did five years infertility, right? And through the beauty and blessing of adoption, we have two amazing kids, and they're uh, just awesome. I talk about them forever. Um, But we had five years, right? So when you when you lift up that prayer request, I am so with that couple, right? Because we had five years of. Being in the pit. Five years of crying out to God. Five years of thinking, this is never gonna get better. Can I admit something to you? I thought about not doing this anymore. I said, I said this to Lori lots of times in the middle of the pit. I said, you know what? I can't be a pastor. Pastors, they have like two and a half kids and a minivan. And like they're always happy. And like they, and I'm always mad right now. And I got no kids. And like, I don't know. It's like I'm just, uh, I don't even want to be in church. And people with kids. And I don't like going to Walmart for sure anymore. Because how do they have kids? And I don't. You know what I'm saying? Okay. <laughs> just being honest. Laura and I would not have the marriage we have right now if it wasn't for that five years. We would not love our kids the way we love our kids if it wasn't for those five years. I would not have the intimacy and honesty in front of you as a congregation and in front of God and His holy throne as I do now without those five years. I wouldn't be able to relate with the prayer request this morning in the same way that I relate with it this morning because of those five years. Do you see where I'm going here? See, I remember in the midst of the pit, I remember, I remember that God is faithful, that God is good, that God has a plan, and that plan is perfect, and he never misses his mark. I remember And lastly, so we should admit, we should remember, and in prayer we should call, or we should cry out. Psalm 5, Psalm 17, Psalm 18, Psalm 22, I could go on, all use this language, and and Jonah uses it here. I called for help, and you listened to my cry See, prayer is an honest conversation. And it's honestly you crying out, calling out to God. And, and some of you do silent prayers. And sometimes we do silent prayers too. I, I, I think prayer is meant to be done out loud. Like I, I, I think there's moments for silent prayer. You don't want to offend the table next to you at lunch today. Great. Do a silent prayer and they'll look at you weird anyway. Right? So, um... But I think we're supposed to actually cry out or call out to God. I think he likes hearing our voice. You see, I got, the, I got these kids, right? And we got them the hard way, but we got them. And in the middle of the night, when they cry out, guess what? I'm a little annoyed, but I always want to hear their cry. I do. I always want to hear them coming to my room. I always want to hear them cry out. We always want to hear them cry out, right? We always want to hear them cry out. That's not annoying, that's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. And it's not meant to be done silently. It's meant to be, thank you. You just this is awesome. We timed it out perfect. That's awesome. And beyond that, uh, we don't need to make it super spiritual. See, a cry is is this. I, I didn't plan this, but this is perfect. See, a cry is simple. Asher over there, he's he just wants his mommy. He just wants his daddy. He just wants I don't know a bottle or a, a change or something, or maybe not. He just likes the rocking, right? But he cries out, and he doesn't have any specific, eloquent words, does he? He doesn't get to say to us this morning, "Hey, mother and father, I have a poopy in my pants, and would like you to change it." Like he doesn't, he doesn't. Okay, right? What, what he does is he just he just cries out. Um, I mean, a couple of different books. I'll throw these at you as we go through the summer. Um, this is a, not a new book, but um, it's called How to Pray by C.S. Lewis. Um, and, and it's been uh, put together with everything that C.S. Lewis kind of wrote specifically about prayer. So it's just excerpts from his different books. And in one of his books, the Screwtape Letters, which is um, a correspondence between uh, the devil and demons, and they're talking about how to mess people up, and specifically this one guy. And, And one of the letters says this, Dear Mr. Wormwood, It is no doubt impossible to prevent his praying for his mother, but we have means of rendering the prayers innocuous. Make sure that they are always very spiritual that he's always concerned with the state of her soul and never with her rheumatism. Two advantages will follow. In the first place, his attention will be kept on what he regards as her sin, by which, with a little guidance from you, can be induced to mean any of her actions which are inconvenient or irritating to him. Thus, you can keep rubbing the wounds of the day a little sore, even while he is on his knees. The operation is not difficult at all, and you will find it very entertaining. Um, he goes on to say uh, let's just tempt them to make their prayers super spiritual Let's tempt them to make their words really eloquent. Let's tempt them to think things like, I can't pray. I don't know these and thys and thous. I don't have those words in my vocabulary. I can't pray. Let's just, let's just keep it super duper spiritual and then he won't pray at all. See, listen, prayer is about crying out. It's just like Asher did a few minutes ago. You don't need special words. You don't need eloquent speech. You don't need it all to be right. All you need to do is cry out. So admit, remember, cry out. And then the worship team is going to lead us in one last song as we think about the heart of Jonah's prayer. Here's the heart of Jonah's prayer. The heart of Jonah's prayer is... Save me! Save me! Or a different translation. Help! Right? This is the heart of Jonah's prayer. God, I need you to save me. The last line. Salvation comes from the Lord. Straight out of Psalm 3 as well. See, Jonah is in the belly of the whale just as Jesus was in the belly of death for three days. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, okay? All the Bible speaks about Jesus. Everything before Jesus is just trying to tell you about Jesus and everything after it is trying to tell you about Jesus. So where is Jesus in the story? Listen, Jonah's in the belly of the whale for three days, dead in the pit in Sheol. Just like Jesus was in the grave for three days. And because of that, victory's on the way. Because we know the end of that story as we know the end of Jonah's story. We know that our God is victorious, that he didn't stay in the grave. If he did, we are the most pitied of all. But he did not. And every single Easter, this is what we celebrate. Every single Sunday, when we come together, we remember that He is not here in the grave. He has risen just like He said He would. And because of that, I don't know where you're at this morning, but He is with you. Do you hear me? So, come on now. He's with you. Like in the prayer request this morning, He's with you. We sang about this, right? If God is for us, who can be against us? And like I said when I started this out, I I know every single Sunday we come together and some of us are riding on a mountain and some of us are in the belly of the whale, right? And Jesus says to us, I know how Jonah's story goes. I know what it's like to be in the belly of the whale. I am right there with you. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. And guess what? This is not the end. This is not the end. There is... Victory. There is a better day. There is a day where you're going to get spit up on the land and then you're going to have to talk about how you were in the belly of the whale and how that kind of changed your life and that you're going to have to speak into what God's original plan was for you. And so wherever you're at this morning, I just want you to embrace this message. In the same way that Jesus died, in the same way that Jonah died, in the belly of the whale in the same way that maybe you feel like you're sinking this morning there's a day when you will be able to say salvation comes from the Lord Heavenly Father we know um, that this life is not easy and God we know that there's There's no promise that even some of this pain is going to go away in this lifetime. There's no promise in your word that um, we're not going to hurt. There's no promise that we're going to escape the storm. There's no promise that we're um, not going to end up in the belly of the whale. But there is promise that you are always with us. That you're with us the highest height and you're with us in the lowest depth and so God this morning we we admit to you that we have missed the mark that we are broken that our relationships are broken that our finances are broken that our own heads and hearts are broken God we admit that we cannot save ourselves God we remember your goodness We remember how you called us and how we responded in love. We we remember the great line of people who went before us, who found faithfulness and grace and love in you. We remember. And God, we just simply cry out to you. as an infant who comes to their mother and father, we come to you, your children. God, we pray that you would remind us that victory is yours. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand to sing one last song.